Welcome to the Hoops and Huddle podcast, where we discuss hoops, football, everything in between, and all sports, really. And we're here because I we really wanted to get to the bottom and understand. This week, the topic is the transfer portal and NIL with college athletics. What on earth is going on? I feel like with the transfer portal and NIL, it's become like the free agency for college athletes. Um, <laughs> it's it's like, you know, like it's open season. Like I feel like every day there's a new announcement or there's something impacting that world. And we have Tim Bryson here who's here to help us make some sense of it um, and to dive deeper into this um, new world that we're all in. And um, Tim, why don't you introduce yourself so then we'll get started with just a casual conversation on this. Most definitely. What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? How are y'all doing? Tim Bryson here, uh, he, him pronouns. I mean, I identify as a Black millennial educator. I mean, I'm very explicit in starting off with that because I truly believe that my Blackness, my millennial identity, and belief that education can change this world. Guys, my mission statement is to help all people identify their passion, inspire vision, and walk in purpose. Uh, as you see my bio or my, maybe my LinkedIn or my Twitter account, um, was a former college athlete at Coastal Carolina University. I went on to study athletic training at the University of South Carolina at Columbia, where I got to work with Don Staley and the women's basketball team, Steve Spurrier, the men's football team. Continued my education at the Ohio State University. Uh, worked with a football team up at Ohio State in Columbus uh, before uh, graduating with my master's and moving on to the NCAA national office. Uh, so I got to spend six months at, you know, where it all happens, for lack of better words. Uh, before being recruited to come to the University of Maryland College Park, where I worked in college athlete career development. I'm alongside uh, the best supervisor in the world, Risa Lovelace, um, as well as got to oversee a lot of career initiatives, international athlete initiatives, et cetera. Um, last summer, got recruited to um, start and lead the um, education NIL and education compliance initiatives at Mogul, which is the ed tech startup, uh, before I was recently uh, let go uh, last week, actually. Um, and now I currently do this work through my own business, Walk with TFB, where we focus on NIL athlete education, international athlete development, as well as career education. My experiences in sports span across, again, career, former student athlete, athletic training, uh, leadership development, identity development. I mean, spans a, a gamut, if you will. I mean, as a transfer, former college athlete and a transfer athlete, I'm very excited for this conversation today. Thank you. I mean, you work with everyone from Dawn Staley to to athletes and Brandon is here with us. Thank you, Brandon, for joining us. Brandon is the rubric he looks at the business side of sports. So I'm really excited to see um, the question he has for you. But with your, I mean, for you to be working with an organization and then, you know, that focused on NIL and then now you're doing it on your own. You know, mm -hmm. why not just be in business for myself in this mm -hmm. business instead of working for someone else? You know, I could take my knowledge and, and mm -hmm. help people that way. So appreciate you for launching your business and spending some time with us. So we're, me and Brandon are going to go back and forth and just yeah. hammer you. <laughs> Let's do it. I got my drink. We good. Let's do it. So Let's... I just wanted to open it up with, you know, like the basic definition I have for the transfer portal is it basically permits student athletes to place their name in an online database declaring their desire to transfer. Athletes enter the portal by informing their current school of their desire to transfer. The school then has two business days to enter the athlete's name in the database. To me, the transfer portal has turned, you know, has really just had such an impact on today's athletes and on it on programs at large mm -hmm. like it's their free agency mm -hmm. and then we're going to get to nil in a little while and just how them together have turned the ncaa on the head. Yep. like it's literally like ripped it wide open so i you know before we get to nil the transfer portal like because it's changed over time like the rules around it right so let's talk mm -hmm. about your observation and how you feel about the transfer portal and how people feel it's college free agency. I'll ask this first. Are you a fan of the transfer portal? 
Oh, I am. I am a I am a fan and advocate and endorser, and here's why I'm answering both of y'all's questions. So, literally just put up this email because I forgot about it. Uh, literally into this moment, uh, but I sent the email. This is back in November 2017 to someone who was working at the NCAA, and I actually sent them a paper I wrote in graduate in graduate school entitled "Should I Stay or Should I Go: An NCAA Four-Year Transfer Policy Analysis." I mean, the purpose of this paper, um, as I wrote to her, was to talk about how the the transfer got transfer got at that time, um, and its impact on student athlete moral and cognitive development. Right. So previous to the new age transfer portal, obviously, not obviously, for those who don't know, college athletes had to get permission from their coach to get a full transfer, and if not, they had to sit out a year before competing in their sport at, at a different mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. And that, quite simply, literally, is a different form of exploitation that we've seen in other ways with college athletes. Right. But it also does not empower athletes to take ownership of their learning and career journey while a college student, right? So similar to NIL, the transfer portal was, I think, uh, enacted and initiated to help athletes take ownership of their career, right? We've seen the conversation, the critiques, the um, the shortcomings of uh, different NCAA governance decisions, right? And how they've had impacts on college athletes, whether it be their career development, their identity development, and or the leadership development over the time um, they're competing in their sport. And I think the transfer portal has, what it's done is that it's put power, for lack of better words, put it, but uh, shifted power back to the college athletes for them to decide how they want to move throughout their college experience. I think where we as a community and really as an industry have, um, not an issue, but continue to have conversation about this is because one, it directly affects our favorite teams, <laughs> colleges and universities. Two, I think it, uh, unlike professional athletics, you know, where there's different contracts and stuff in place, it, to your point, it really is free agency in a lot of ways year in and year out, especially given the NIL piece that has now been added, added onto this. I think where this all comes to a halt is that the NCAA has done a, for a long time, again, for those who don't know, the NCAA National Office governs the decisions. The college athletic department, excuse me, college athletic directors and the presidents make the rules. So I want to be very distinct about the difference. The NCAA and what they've chosen to govern over the last 20, 30, 40 years uh, was doing a great job trying to prevent college sport from evolving into what it's become now, but definitely what's going to become in the future if there's going to be a college sport model in a similar way in the, in the United States. But what we've seen with the transfer portal and what we've seen with the transfer portal and with NIL is that it has allowed athletes not just to take ownership of their learning and career journey, but it's continuing to push this conversation towards athletes being either employees and a professional athletes. And until we either <laughs> acknowledge, observe, and really embrace that, we'll continue to sit here and parse out different rules, whether it's a transfer portal, whether it's NIL, whether it's international athletes finally getting their rights in the NIL space as well, right? Um, we'll continue to parse out rules as opposed to really just look at the NCAA model and saying, you know what? It worked for whatever it was, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. It's time for a change. And right. a change is not going to be required. Or it's not going to be done by one rule or two rules, but truly a revolutionizing of what the system is and what it should be, um, given that we're now in 2023 in a different world that was not the same NCAA that was established um, years ago. From the, from the student's point of view, from the athlete's point of view, mm -hmm. what would you say, how would you characterize the pros and the cons of the transfer portal? Yeah, I think the pros is that, again, I mean, sometimes, well, sometimes it doesn't work, right? I mean, again, I was, I was a transfer. Um, my coach and I didn't, didn't necessarily get along. But more so than that, Coastal Carolina was not a great fit for me academically. Um, oh. And so I chose to transfer, primary, one, because, well, number two, because of the coach, but then number one, because they didn't have a program. They didn't have an academic major that was an accredited for me to sit for the boards to become an athletic trainer after I graduated. So I think part of this is definitely the college experience, like while they're in school. I think another part of it is what coaches tell them and don't tell them during the recruiting process, what guidance counselors, parents, families, friends are telling, you know, um, college or prospective college athletes in regards to where they think they want to go or where they don't want to go. Yeah. Um, but also the education they get, not just uh, during the recruiting per se, but also during their time as a college student. So I think, again, this focus has always been on sport, but at the end of the day, like some of them may be transferring for money, whatever, that's their choice now. Some may transfer, be transferring because they're exhausted, not exhausted, but they're done uh, competing in their sport, their degree at that specific school they decided to transfer. Others may transfer because they want to be closer to home and whatnot. So I think what is done is like, yo, like, just like everyone else, just like other non-college athletes, like now athletes have the same decision-making power, if you will, to leave if it's something that they don't want to, that they simply don't want to do anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good, oh, this is a good conversation. I ain't talked about this in a minute. This is, yeah, awesome. this is good. You got me, you got me going. So what's the downside of it? Like, if there isn't, maybe there's not. But like, from right. a student's point of view, not from the school, I know their perspective. Yeah. Like, what's the downside? Like, what should they be thinking about? 
thank you for bringing that back up. So the downside is that uh, for many people, right? People go to school to, to earn degrees or to earn a degree. And so tr continuing to transfer, especially when your academic degree program, academic major may not transfer all of its credits to your new school, may delay graduation. I think it's a huge downfall. I think another is um, only focus, potentially only focusing on one or two reasons that you did transfer. What I might say that whether they're legit or not, that's not me, not for me to decide. But like, if it's for the money, the money's not there. Similar to what we saw that quarterback down in my um, down at Florida, and again he was a recruit coming in. But like, what what's the reason, right? And what's the reason not for everyone else to justify or make sense of, but for you? And how are you choosing to make sense of that decision, not based on necessarily your sport? Though we've seen a lot of athletes transfer for their sport but how an institution is either a better fit and or better value add for personally for me for your evolving career and purpose journey now one of the things you said is a big distinction is before you had to have your coach's approval mm -hmm. for entering the portal now an athlete does not have to have their um, coach's approval to enter the portal is that something that you i mean of course, you you may not know how often this happens, but is there? Do you think there are inst many instances where coaches are not aware of what their what their player their players are entering the portal? Like, and does it does this decision ever backfire on the player? Like, yes. where they go into the portal thinking because they can lose their scholarship, they can lose right, they can lose, mm -hmm. you know, the arrangement with their current school once they do this. What if they go in the portal and they just they just, you know, they don't get picked up by someone else. By exactly. exactly. So there a couple of things. So when an athlete enters the portal or has a conversation about entering the portal, the coach, the coach is also informed. So everyone is aware of what's going on. I think, too, we've seen different examples of where the coach uh, Sarkeesian down at Texas football, where you say, like, yo, you can enter the portal, but you can't come back to Texas. Like, like that's that's the choice you have to make. But they have a decision prior to that, prior to that athlete entering the portal. So where that athlete knows before they enter, like, they're not, they ain't coming out of Texas if things don't mm -hmm. shake out. Can I think you, uh, can, to, to uh, add to that, can you contact the school you want to go to before entering a portal to get approval? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was going to be a question for mm -hmm. me as well. No, that's not, that's not allowed. Though it's happening, right? Things similar to athletes getting paid for. <laughs> I can't leave it in lift. Oh, hey. so let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's, let's say, let's be honest here. Like that's, that's definitely happening. Both athletes reaching out, but also coaches reaching out. But I think it's athletes reaching out to teammates on a different team, saying like, "Yo, I think I want to come." Again, mm -hmm. we we know what's going on. Let's just let's yeah, just call yeah. it out loud, That's right? Cool. Yeah, yeah. But I think the thing with the the back to the transfer portal. One thing you just said. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, before it was they had to get approval, particularly to transfer within conference, right? Mm -hmm. And if it was outside of conference, they may have gotten approval. If they if I wanted, so I left Coastal Carolina, went to South Carolina. I wasn't the fastest dude on the track team. I get that. Don't care. But like my coach wasn't wasn't fearful of me going to South Carolina because he knew I wasn't going to be a threat to him competing on South Carolina Gamecocks track and field team. But athletes who have a higher either uh, athletic ability or could be a difference maker in either a conference and or a uh, competition for a national championship. Previously, that could have been an issue that they brought about. But I think the last thing that we have to continue to be honest about is that uh, the assumption that every athlete is on a full scholarship and they're not. And so if I'm an athlete, right, and again, we talk, we'll talk about NIL in a second, but if I'm an athlete at one school, ran a certain time, my coach doesn't want to give me a time, uh, give me um, an uh, increased scholarship because of whatever, why should I not be able to transfer to another school to get increased scholarship money to compete in my sport? Right, I think, again, the focus has always been on NIL, and, which is fine, that's where we are right now, but I think we need to continue to expand the, the transfer conversation and not think about what's fair and what's not fair, but like what else needs, what else need, do we need to adjust or change to ensure that the college athlete experience is what uh, we want it to be, which is safe um, and equitable for all athletes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, makes sense. That's a good, that's a good point. And we, you brought up, we, we entered the NIL because we are in a name and likeness era. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and these players are maximizing like it was reported that Angel Reese NIL valuation is 1.3 million yep. and as we know is with WNBA when players join a WNBA for instance players you know somebody like an Angel Reese you know like if you look at it just with NIL what is paid more staying in college with NIL yep. you know like but 
instead of going into the W and getting like the rookie scale. But she could still have, my question is with name and likeness, first of all, let's explain what name and likeness is. And then also would that, once they go to, once they go to the league, wouldn't, why wouldn't the deal transfer to a sponsorship deal? Like how does that work? Because I mean, I'm trying to understand that part of it. Yeah, working backwards, it can. So I think again, like the thing, the reason why NIL is such a big deal is because it was new for college college athletes. Yeah, athletes. Yeah. And only the only the U.S. born athletes that are to be frank and direct in this conversation, because international athletes cannot monetize their NIL because of their student visas that's governed by customs and immigration. But nevertheless, like because it's so new with college sport, we made this big deal out of it because like. Oh snap! Like now they can monetize. Mm -hmm. but like endorsements has always been a thing. I think additionally we've seen influencer marketing across um, very true the world grow over the last five ten years. You know, due to social media, but also platforms like Instagram continuing to evolve, but also TikTok, to where brands have continued to invest thousands and tens of thousands of dollars investing in uh, content creators and influencers to market their products. I think what's been interesting about the college sports space is not that college athletes can continue well can now monetize their NIL. But the fact that it, it then brings a again it brings like re-earths this conversation about our college athletes employees or should they be employees right all professional athletes again like that's the nuance that we're talking about is the fact that like they're college athletes and college students at the same time not the fact that they're college athletes or one or the other um but going back to the initial part so for those who are listening i apologize for not answering this in order um but name image and likeness again legislation that was passed back in july 2021 um, that allows U.S. athletes, U.S. born and, and non-international athletes to monetize their NIL, their name, image, and likeness through endorsements, you know, um, uh, in-person appearances, sponsorships, et cetera, uh, which again, which is new to the college sports space, not to the college student or professional athlete space. So I would see, so in layman's terms, NIL is exactly the same thing as a sponsorship endorsement deal. Exactly. I just remember yeah. in college and they named it NIL. So exactly. Clear, exactly. If I can get a deal in college, I should be, I should be, in theory, be able to get a similar deal, enhanced deal from that same brand when I become. Yeah. yeah. I, but it's up to them because they're time bound contracts when I'm in college. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. once that contract is up, it's up to you, athlete and brand, to work together to come up with a new deal. New deal outside of college is now called just a standard endorsement sponsorship deal. But again, and just to, to add on to that, that what is to Andrew's example, especially where we've seen where the conversation primarily has turned towards NIL has been focused on not even Angel Reese per se, but mainly um NFL first rounders, WBA first rounders, and maybe NBA first rounders primarily. A lot of those athletes, one, have an agent, and or two, their deals, if you will, are, are more on the endorsement side, and they're not necessarily creating original content. They're not, you wouldn't put them in this influencer box. They just have a large following on Instagram. Where we've seen a difference, particularly across sport, but definitely gender, is seeing a lot more, a lot more women's sports athletes um, diving into this content creation influencer marketing space, to which, to me, is like, one, that's super dope, but then two, like, you're literally using your name, your likeness, your human, your humanity, if you will, to add value to a company so angel mm -hmm. Reese's value is not just because they want a, a natty and a chip right which congrats to them they be well South Carolina. i'm sorry but that's my alma mater but not because they necessarily mm -hmm. want a chip. it added value to that but like if you look at angel Reese's instagram account and tiktok like she's a content creator like mm -hmm. creates her own content and it's very good you're not seeing the same stuff from uh from previously bryce young or cj stroud or any of these other athletes that are getting larger deals and that's primarily because again the following they have based on the, the position they play that's where they play it at. So there's another assumption that I think is out there and I want to get your take on it. Um, when people talk about NIL, they think that all these players are racking up loot. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case. Like how would you characterize the number of athletes or percentage of athletes yeah. in NCAA sports? Or you can pick one sport I mean, uh, actually receiving these deals that are like worth anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking anything five figure and above you probably looking like top if not top one percent top half percent right because there's 500,000 NCAA athletes competing right now across division one two and three 20 of those thousand 21 of those thousand international athletes that's 480. so out of that 480 you might be able to pick up you want to say 200 
that's going high maybe three that's going super high they're making you know having 10 figure deals most of the deals are probably between 25 again most 25 and 500 right because again there are a lot of the brands and employers in this and organizations in this space it's also new for them right and they're trying to figure out like is this a good you know return on investment if so let's dive into it if not let's, let's go the influencer route like non-athlete but then again we haven't even introduced the conversation about collectives which has then been wrapped into this nil piece as well okay gotcha wow okay okay one of the things when i think about so you answered the question about nil potentially converting over to a regular sponsorship deal and i, I want to thank brandon for clarifying basically yeah. our sponsorship deal. <laughs> you uh, know it's, yeah. you know like another yeah and when you know like another thing this year something happened where a player was signed agreed to go to one school mm-hmm. but then because of it was reported because of the nil money that was supposedly promised fell through he then transferred to another school yep. and it was like this is you know what what there was some outrage behind this being reported but i think about the college coaches who mm-hmm. the, who recruit these players and then they leave at the you know in the middle you know at the end of the season they go to another you know like coaches were able to move the way they wanted to move mm-hmm. basically within the confines of a contract when what was your thoughts on when that scenario went down when this student changed his school because of the NIL money fell through. Yeah, my first reaction was that's a lot of money. I remember when they dropped the uh, like the monthly payments, and I can't remember exact. I know it's six figures a month. Mm-hmm. It increased every year that 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 athlete was at because Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Florida. Yep. That was at Florida. Um, the second thing, again, I think it's two separate. I think it's. I think here's where NIL people throw. People generally throw a blanket statement over over NIL when it's like should be broken down in more nuanced in a number of different ways. So like the NIL we talked about as far as like sponsorship endorsement and whatnot, that's the like the um, very stereotypical, like whatever. Um, Gatorade. Um, Gatorade, yeah, Gatorade, Gatorade. Gatorade wants you to show up in a commercial, whatever. Okay. Then there's like this other piece of it where it's like, I'm creating content for a brand and I'm getting paid because I'm making content for that brand, like the content creation piece. Then there's this piece around the collectives where many, many collectives are alumni, and or boosters or donors who have a lot who put all their money together right called it something i don't know like um gatorade chick-fil-a whatever called it a name and then they're using this money to then recruit athletes to come to different schools now again no one will say that publicly from a school because quite simply it's illegal like that's part of the, the restrictions around nil but what's happening is they have all this money they're saying like yo brand come to ohio state um i want you to be our starting whatever point guard here's your money for your nil deal to where you'll do an in-person appearance at the local car dealership, right? And so they're getting away with essentially pay for play, which is again, also legal, by offering money for them to do something once they get to the school and then that way it's NIL. Yep. And so I think we see the, some larger contracts we've seen through collectives, some we've yep. seen through this brand piece, some we've seen through content creation, all of that in itself is all commercial and, and monetization, but NIL at its core is also includes career development, leadership development, um, identity development. So like what are other examples, at least, that are receiving um, similar media attention for athletes who start their own nonprofit, or athletes start their own business, athletes start their own business, or athletes who are in the gaming space, or athletes who want to, um, um, I don't know, do deals, you know, international service abroad. Like, where are those deals that also include this NIL piece? Because literally, all NIL is is leveraging who you are through digital services or social media to either get money or just make a difference. That's literally what it is. But we've like conflated it to be this big thing because whatever the media is the media but also it's this new thing that we're still trying to put our hands i am i am (laughs) i'm an individual um i'm going to ohio state but i've always had a following on youtube for example yep am i able to maintain creating content on youtube by myself exactly to pays me yep because there's many athletes that have built they're just created a YouTube channel and all of a sudden they've got 2 million views, 2 million, 2 million followers mm-hmm. and not associated with any brand. Mm-hmm. It's like the individual, just just like little kids who are creating content for VidCon. Yep, yep. They do that? Is that like, how, how, how does NCAA look at that? Because that, I don't have a contract with anybody. I'm just creating content and YouTube's and, and Google is paying me. 
Yeah, still allowed because again, there's it's leveraging the name, image, and likeness, right? There's like who they are at, at their core, which is again part of another reason why like NIL again put this in quotes is like was even passed to again include something like that because again to your point, we see an example. I think it was the athlete down at UCF was a kicker whose YouTube channel was like blowing up just doing trick shots. Yep. You know, yep. Yep. It's like now, like through that, like he wouldn't have had to choose between one or the other if he was competing in 2023. Back then, it was you, an athlete could not make money, and so they, like he had to choose between the two to keep his eligibility. He chose the influencer route, content creation route, whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Cool. It was reported that the state of Florida um, is a you know they passed the law allowing Florida universities to get involved in facilitating NIL deals and contracts. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this new law coming, you know, from Florida? I mean, I like it. I think it does. I think it, it allows colleges and universities to be closer to what's, what's going on. And I think at its core, and again, I have a, I'm not jaded, but I like to believe the best in people. For those who are working with these athletes at these schools, whether it be NIL department or director NIL, they're helping athletes monetize, uh, maximize, and really leverage their NIL for how they want it to be leveraged. I think where it becomes um, an issue is that to this point, again, we have not seen any federal legislation come down creating um, blanket NIL legislation for all college universities, you know, state to state. I think that's another reason why NIL continues to have this conversation we have right now is because Florida can do that, but in Maryland, you can't, right? Mm-hmm. And so from a recruiting standpoint, yeah, state to state. And so from a recruiting standpoint, like, if I'm an athlete, don't want to go to a, a state, go to a school in a state where my university can help me. Don't want to go to one where they can't help me. In the state of Washington, where I just was, um, departments cannot uh, work directly with athletes or facilitate deals. So it's also something to consider. And so I think coaches and departments are like, yo, like we need blanket legislation, like from the from the federal government, because state, because right now it's going state to state, which is how NIL even came about in the first place when Florida passed that. Well, sorry, California first, but then Florida said we're doing it July, uh, whenever it was July one. Uh, uh, that's something I think is interesting to call out for athletes to consider. Exactly. Is I see pluses and minuses on both sides. Yep. Do I want my school in the middle of my potential deal? Do I want them as a part of that relationship that I'm generating with Coca-Cola, for example? Mm-hmm. I can see scenarios where you're like, oh yeah, I want the school to help me facilitate this conversation. I can see other scenarios where you're like, nah, I don't want the school involved in my deal. I don't have a deal with them. I have a deal with Colt and I want to be able to work with Colt directly. But they don't, but they don't, though a university, though like Florida or Florida State, maybe or Florida AM, maybe maybe better or Bethune Cookman, maybe to help, though they may be able to help the athlete, the athlete does not have to go to the school for help. And so I think where NIL again it continues to be, this is a good conversation. I can't wait for this shit to drop. But where where NIL continues to be like problem, not problematic, but like an issue of concern is like athletes like are looking at whether it's third parties like the one I just came from or other competitors like for help in order to facilitate deals right which is why the third part why third parties are coming in and saying like yo we can help athletes facilitate deals because you know we know as a university you can't but until and it's going to happen sooner than later probably I would say two to three years once prospective athletes and definitely current athletes realize one the power they have as a power and platform and visibility they have as a college athlete but then two own their NIL and and learn how to pitch deals directly to brands the school don't even matter. I mean, they'll pitch brands, obviously staying in compliance with university, NCA and state legislation, but like they can go directly to Coke or they can go directly to, you know, Kellogg or directly to whomever to yep, pitch yep, their deal. Okay. And so I think right, where- And they can go to them to directly as well, right? Exactly. But the brand can reach out to them. That's happening now. Notify the school, right? That's happening, that's happening now, exactly. I think where, where athletes may look to universities for help is like, yo, I don't know how to pitch a deal. And so they want they may want their university to help them be able to pitch a deal to a school i mean sorry to a brand but again we've also seen alongside this collectives and third-party nil providers and nil directors at schools we've also seen agents or you know athlete representatives come in and work with athletes one-on-one or in groups to say like look i'm going to come in help you you know craft your brand build your brand or whatever teach you how to pitch a deal and i may go out and get deals for you right and so if i'm an athlete right now at i'll take i don't know central state in ohio I'm at the central state. This point, I can say, look, I can go to any third party I want. My school may have a partnership with a brand, with a uh, NIL provider. I can use them. Or I don't have to. It's not. It's not necessarily required. Um, I can go. I can have my own athlete agent if I want to, whether that's a parent or actual agent or athlete representative. I can pitch deals myself. Like you can use all these services. But I think athletes have been programmed to think I only have to go to my only my school. 
or only this provider or only do this and you can literally do all of it that's, that's what nil is like just the only like what governs it is like making sure you remain compliant to nca state and legislation in um uh nca state university policy that's it but again what we, what we started with this conversation with college sport at the beginning is control like who who has control who is or and who is in control now athletes mm -hmm. are in control but they're not they're not even realizing it because again it's like i have to go through one of these routes or like two of these routes not recognizing like yo it's, it's your nil you get to choose how you want to handle this not what i think or what you think or what you think like you you choose oh you brought up a good point you mentioned something that i didn't think about we definitely get the sponsorship deals the relationship between myself i'm at ohio state myself and um fifth third bank mm -hmm. and key bank like mm -hmm. that's me and my relationship with the brand or ohio state might help facilitate a conversation the one thing i didn't think about you mentioned i'm able to now in college get an agent mm -hmm. you have you can have an agent uh marketing agent marketing agent so agent is not to help us agent is not for this is a good point an agent is not for like drive prospects if you will but there's been two things that have happened there's been like marketing call people who are marketing agents and i put that in quotes but like that's a very broad term but like marketing agents working with direct athletes helping them source deals right whether that's college or professional I college i get it what is also happening at the same time is that there are different agencies who want to partner with current college athletes helping them to build their nil to build their brand yep. i think in good faith i'm being very honest about that because in turn right if i'm working with an athlete from their first has issue, study, right so what clutch has a few college athletes right exactly so that's where i was going because clutch has they're an agency but rich paul started clutch athletics with which is apparel so now as a student i can go to clutch but he's also an agent that help provide guidance facilitation information about my draft prospect how is that so I can't speak to, I can't speak to the conversation they're having or not having. I get it, I get it, I get it. That's fair, that's fair, that's fair. But I'm looking at the slippery slope that says a bigger picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think where they here's the thing, where they where people can dodge that is one, creating a different vertical within a company, right? Okay. Two, what where I want to go. One, creating a different vertical within a company, because then two, as I'm building a relationship with an athlete over two, three years, the assumption is that they would then continue on with clutch the group, clutch sports group as an as a um as their agent mm -hmm. right where does again where it becomes nuanced and whatnot is like there's no like there's no guidance rules compliance regards to like what this should or shouldn't be that's right which is why people are looking to kind of oh, we need help like with someone need to come down and say like this this is what it's gonna be here's how, uh you know people need to act and like these are the rules and so as again we've seen different like whether it's like the, un the unlimited official visits now or different, you know, um, addendums, if you will, to like what the college athlete experience is now. Until there's blanket policy in regards to what is or isn't, like we're gonna continue to find whether it's loopholes or you know, uh, people finesse the system. So what it currently is. I don't current see how you don't get an agent. Is my point. If mm -hmm. I'm going to deal with Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. it's in Coca-Cola's best interest to understand my viability as a professional athlete long term. Like how long is this deal going to be? True. And because they're cash strong. I would expect them to have a pool of let's call them agents let's call it whoever hey assess this potential client for me uh -huh. because i want to know yep. hey is this person really likely to go yep. first round 10th pick first yep. pick sixth yep. pick yep. like i'm only making a decision to do this deal only only if i know hey because how do i offer you one through 10 is significantly different mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. the money I'm offering you for second round, third round, fourth round. Like, uh, it's involved in that. That's all I'm saying. Like, I agree. I agree. Okay, okay. all right, all right. Mm -hmm. But I think it, the thing to add though is like, like, that's like, there's definitely brands like, yo, I only want whatever first round picks. I don't care what sport it is. I only want first rounders. I only want first team, first team All Americans. All I want. Yeah. There are other brands, like, literally, like, especially smaller brands, like mid level brands. Are, like, I just want an athlete that's in. Columbia, South Carolina. Or I just want to add this to Winona, Minnesota. I don't care who it is. Yep. I yep, want to add yep, 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 yep. That's the whole like that's what gives this like this whole grading, if you will, mm -hmm. regards to like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are we really talking about here? Like, let's really like <laughs> And those are the type of deals where their location is the predominant factor for some of those deals. Mm -hmm. Like with those type of because mm -hmm. I think because when I hear the audience when I hear people talk about well, when they go to college they 
you know, they can lose those deals. They're talking about the location specific type deals or those attached to you going to that university. Because I'm thinking about on the women's side, um, on the men's side, if they can come out, they're coming out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if they can come out and go to the NBA because of the money that's, you know, like that's on the table for them, you know, should they be drafted first or second round, it opens them up. You know, I could see that, but on the women's side, they're taking advantage. Some of them, a lot of them are taking advantage of their COVID year that they got and staying mm-hmm. an extra year. They're, um, it's not just Angel, Angel Reese is just one example, but you know, women's players can't come out early. They mm-hmm. have to be, you know, like it's well known. They have to be 22 um, to come out, you know, or, you know, like, or play, you know, there's a certain standard for the mm-hmm. women's side. Mm-hmm. So on, on the women's side, yeah, you have Angel Reese, she's a success story you know, like, you know, like, you know, in quotes, but did you have other women athletes also that, you know what, staying another year, I'm not coming out. You had a few players that decided not to um, enter the WNBA draft. Well, the WNBA draft is a whole nother show. So we're not even going to get to the number of spots and and, and all that. But, you know, when I look on in the women's space and NIL, not just with basketball, soccer, um in the women's space in general like how do you see do you see the women's side of nil possibly growing on that side and taking advantage of the women's audience and those who watch women athletics and those athletes because they stay more years than say on the men's side yeah i mean i think that's a huge point i think um a topic i'm most excited to talk about when i'm talking about nil right the one the women's side of nil but also international athletes so on the women's side, I think there's definitely longevity with athletes staying you know, longer mm-hmm. than they too, for sure. I think also we've seen an uh, increased conversation around promoting women's sports more. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm glad we're seeing that, especially in women's basketball right now. And I was, we saw in the tournament, like that game, championship game yep. was just watched across, you know, competing against, you know, many other events over the last year. But I think too, in a lot of ways, and I'm just, this is me just talking, like we in a barbershop, if you were a salon, but like, on the men's side, I think a lot of because of the fact that because how do I put this on the men's side, it's like oh dang my my uh, starting point guard is transferring to another school like I don't like Villanova no more I don't like whatever North Carolina no more whatever the case might be on the women's side it's like yo we have an opportunity to support our women's sport athletes through NIL deals and helping them get money to become a more equal and equitable space in the college sports space like I want to invest I want to be involved in it and so I think from like similar to um, diversity, if you will, or um, the civil rights movement, why would a brand not want to partner with women's sports athletes that when we've seen the growth that's happening from a commercial side, mm-hmm. but also the, the the follow through, their ability to create content, tell stories, um, be more mature. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Like, why would we not want to do that from a business standpoint? Let's mm-hmm. be real. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're I think we're seeing a lot of people and a lot of organizations swallow their pride in regards to not wanting to support women's sports before because it wasn't as visible, it wasn't as big. Now they have no choice, like the numbers don't lie. Um, but again, I think too, we've seen both men's and men's athletes and coaches, but also women's athletes and coaches speak up more for the women's game, particularly talking about basketball, to where if I'm a brand or employer, like I have to follow where people are talking. Like I have to follow where the, where the energy is. And I think the energy right now is not just a women's basketball, women's sports across the NCAA overall which is exciting especially given um obviously the women's world cups coming up in 2023 and then Paris yeah. 24 um, next year as well so i think we're seeing a lot of momentum in that space um especially not just given the, um, the caitlin clarks and all of that staying another year and you yeah, know they have bailey van lith and those kind of kind of uh women's players injuries but i think it's the mega events but also i mean we, what's 2020 yeah last year we said or this year just what year is this 23 23, yeah. Yeah, so last year, Title IX. We celebrated 50 years of Title IX. Yeah. Again, there was a, a huge conversation about mm-hmm. like Title mm-hmm. IX and women is like, so I think people are like, riding this wave, but also starting to see like, yo, this wave can be bigger than the men's if we actually invest in it like we do the men's side. I also get the sense uh, when I think about it at, at the macro level, the deals are more favorable. A brand would appreciate the longer term athletes, women's sports, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, college football, more mm-hmm. so than basketball. Mm-hmm. Because I pay less money, less dollar per athlete that's in college than I do once that athlete becomes pro. True. 
So I get this, the length of, let's say, um, a football player who's at Ohio State, who's going to stay in at least a minimum of two years, mm-hmm. three years realistically, because they don't just go straight to the NFL mm-hmm. like they do in the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. 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 I only have one year to make money off of this really big name star, and I only get a few of those versus I've got 10 athletes across women's mm-hmm. sports, oh, yep. football, and those sports where they're going to stay in school three to four years and I'm going to pay less money for them at the same clip of their visibility. Because when it comes to social media, we've all learned social media doesn't matter whether or not you're in college or pro or anything. Mm-hmm. Eyeballs are eyeballs are eyeballs and that's what you're paying for. Yep. I can see them Coca-Cola saying, no, nah, we really like women's sports. We really like football mm-hmm. we like basketball because yeah 50 guys in the nba 400 450 guys in the nba each year we're talking about realistically 60 guys max that we really want to talk about so that pool is small i'm not going to make a lot i'm i'm not going to make a lot a lot of money or big bangs for my buck mm-hmm. but what you see now though is uh, on the basketball side you see brands investing in these you know, these athletes that go over to overtime elite or yep. some of these other, mm-hmm. you know, like avenues, they're invest like Mikey Williams got some really big deals. Um, and he's not even, you know, he's not, he was in, you know, he was playing in like AAU and playing, he wasn't even over to getting over to the overtime elites and all of that yet. So I, I see that more often with youth where they investing in them before they mm-hmm. even get to college or make the decision to go overseas or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. But I love the point with the NFL, you know, with players that are in like Shador Sanders entered into deals with Brady, with the Brady brand and some other brands, um, before, you know, like in what he's going to next year, what he's a junior. Um, so it's like, I, I definitely get it because he he had he had a lot of a few big big name deals and was making a name of himself in 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 NIL as well. Shador Sanders, Deion Sanders' son. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good. That was a really a great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. This is a really great conversation, and I mean, Brandon Brandon was perfect, but his his mind is his his mind is still percolating over there. I see his. <laughs> His yeah. eyes is moving. This is his thing, the business side of sports. So this is probably going to be something we continue to look into from other angles. But, you know, you have anything else, Brandon? Um, yeah, where do you think this goes? Going? Like, because I'm thinking about the opportunity. I, I don't even like using the word NIL. We're just talking about you basically can get paid mm-hmm. from a brand mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. you're in college. Uh, what does this look like in the future as... Like, do you see it expanding really in terms of more athletes getting these deals or is it because I, I, I think sometimes it's a head fake. Like we talk a lot about NIL, but we're really still talking about one percent of athletes, two percent of athletes. I'm glad you brought that which up. Which is already which is already they were already getting loot anyway. Let's be crystal clear. Like yeah, they were. I ran in college was getting loot. Doesn't matter, NIL, no NIL, he was getting paid. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. like, come on, let's be real. Like what, what does this look like in the future? That's, that's what I'm trying to really assess. Yes, I think we're finishing year two. Um, we'll be in year three here soon. So I think a number of things are about to start happening. I think brands are going to re-eva- are gonna start to evaluate and reevaluate how they're spending money, particularly in the college sports space. I think some brands might jump in deeper. Some may pull out. I also think that um, similar to that, as y'all were talking about NFL and like WNBA and whatnot, if every NFL athlete does, doesn't have a sponsorship or endorsement deal, which, which they don't, why would every college athlete have one? That's right. Right, and it's because it's 500,000 versus whatever, 100, yep. whatever, 52 times 32 is. So number two is being be honest about like what monetization looks like for athletes within um, the, the NCAA ecosystem. I think uh, three, I think we'll start to see more athletes take ownership, not ownership, athletes start current college athletes, current NIL athletes, begin to lead education for their athletes coming behind them, given that they lived this experience for four or five, six years, um, and be able to teach them the ropes in regards to how they should, you know, pitch brand deals on their NIL, uh, both from a career, again, a leadership standpoint. But I also think that as bigger brands start to, again, reevaluate, 
I think we'll see more small businesses, but also alumni-owned businesses jump in the space, particularly uh, honed in on their on their uh, local market. Okay. Uh, so like, you know, like I mentioned, like uh, Central State and like um, Wilberforce, like you know their alumni in the Dayton area re reaching out to their athletes. Are you from Ohio? Yeah, from bro, this is FCC. Come on, man. I mean, growing up, like in high school. Oh, oh, you from Ohio too? Yes. Oh, where? where Akron, where, Ohio. Where? Akron, Ohio. Oh, I want to say that, Cincinnati. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, went, I went to North. Oh, small world, bro. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm from Ohio. It's like you mentioned the Ohio school. Yeah, I'm like, like, hey, did you go to high school there? Like, yeah. Yeah. What is what is saying next? No, 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 no. But I think we'll start to see more alumni owned and small businesses jump into the space. Okay. Not necessarily from like a large money standpoint, but like, yo, here's free product, promote the brand, um, promote the organization, promote the restaurant, etc. So which then I think we'll see like a twofold, like, like I mentioned, twofold. One, like bigger ad bigger name athletes, more athletes with more following, whatever, getting bigger deals, but then also these other schools and like maybe smaller markets and or small towns still participating in NIL and just in a different way. Um, so we're not comparing what's happening at Winona State to what's happening at University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. It's not the same, just different. Right. One of the things that I'm a Rutgers alum, I know it's not like it's Ohio, right. I know. The scout away, I know Rutgers. Come on, Jersey. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Rutgers person. And okay. there's a collective, um, Rutgers Focus Collective is offering okay. deals to football, basketball players, basically, they have promised that every Rutgers football player will receive an NIL deal in 2023. Yes. So as we look at um, the landscape of the future, like we're talking about the future of like NIL, like schools like Rutgers who are not like these big, you know, blue chip, you know what I mean? Like they're gonna go to some of the bigger schools, but if you're trying to get that, between four and five star athlete, you know what I mean? Like, and you can promise them some NIL deals on the table, you know, like I see more schools, you know what I mean? As the regulation goes through by state, you know, mm -hmm. like hopping in on, look, I can give you this. I can get, like, this is free agency. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is, I, I, here's what I'll say. I, I don't know if I'm gonna close on this or not, but like, here's what I'll say. Is yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah, I, I figured that. We'll do a follow up. I appreciate the collectors. I really do. But I think the one thing I'll add to Brandon, your point is that I want to see, and I believe we will begin to see more collectors focused on women's sports because mm -hmm. the, NIL space but right the now, women's I, is included in this too. Women's basketball is included in this. Experience. Yeah, but there's other sports than basketball and football. And I think we need to recognize that. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. The field hockey, mm -hmm. the soccer, the tracks. Mm -hmm. like, and it, so I think, I think the conversation with departments is like, yo, if you have alumni forming these collectives and then offer NIL deals, how is it taken away from departmental fundraising, which is an honest question that they can figure out on campus. But then too, I think we really need to talk more about how we not just create collectives focused on women's sports unapologetically, but mm -hmm. also how we call out collectives who don't have um, women's women leadership on their collective boards when they're focused on all athletes. So I can I can count a number of different collectors right now that don't have any women's sport athlete representatives on their on their board, but they're talking about NIO. It's like that's when the whole Title Nine conversation comes about. It's like what who are we really valuing here? What was this really for? Who was this really right. for? Who's right. the, who's the, and so I think again, we're gonna I would be curious to see, and I, again, it's gonna happen sooner or later, but like if Gamecock Women's Basketball started a collective only focused on Gamecock women's basketball athletes, like how could then how could that then shift how we talk about women's sports um, across the NCAA? Um, I think it's a huge opportunity that we need to not just acknowledge, it is. It but also is. consider and dive into, if not on this podcast, definitely on a Twitter space or another platform moving forward. There's another nuance I wanted to, to pick on for a minute, and that is before NIL, the narrative, and I'm just talking about the overall narrative mm -hmm. was, oh, I, as an athlete, I couldn't earn money. It wasn't even a discussion about how, I just can't earn money. Yep. You had some schools that like, if, Coach got in trouble because he gave players like eight bucks for laundry, something like that. Like, mm -hmm. you've already, mm -hmm. we heard a bunch of those stories. Now NIL comes along. Now as an athlete, I can earn money. That's the narrative. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the nuances of brand deals and all of that. So my question is this, because NIL exists, does that mean I'm allowed to earn money? How, how is that handled? Me earning money on my own through any channels? You can do that. Okay, so that is another opportunity that I think that exists. For example, at Harvard, as an athlete, you could not, you could never be Mark Zuckerberg. Exactly. Who went and started 
face mash and all of that stuff and went and got investors and got people to, he built companies. Like we do that, we sit all the time in Silicon Valley, people at Stanford, people at Berkeley, as students today, they are making millions of dollars as students. Does that mean that opportunity exists now for athletes to find opportunities to do that? And if the answer is yes, I see an opportunity for the universities to think about far beyond just brand deals. How do we create entrepreneurial opportunities for students? Hey, I'll leave it this. The answer is yes. The okay. follow up to that is like, do universities want to do that? Well, sorry, do athletic departments want to do that? And then in order to do that, athletes, I mean, we've seen it like, Again, the IVs are there, you know, Stanford, Chapel Hill, whatever. Those yep. students are in STEM and business. Yep. And if you go across college athlete majors, there ain't not too many of them majoring in STEM and business. That's right. Which That's is a right. whole other conversation, but yes, to your whole point. Other conversation. Because yeah. they're thinking about, I want to make millions today, regardless of whatever this exactly. is. I can go <laughs> find investors, go to Silicon Valley, do this. Like now, I don't, I think that's a part of the story that they're not telling to athletes. Exactly. We want you to be entrepreneurs like you can come even as simple as starting your own youtube channel and thinking about what you mm -hmm. want to but make you know what you know why i'm not gonna do that back to malika's point because that's gonna take away time from their sport that's fair that's fair and i think that's the whole yeah that's that's what we're talking about that's all we talk about we're talking about now so I, I i enjoy this conversation i really do i appreciate you coming through and for dropping sharing some knowledge with us um but i we will be discussing nil and like, more as we learn more as more rules as more as we learn more as more is announced you know you're the expert so then we'll, we, we will be reaching out and thank you so much for being here with us uh you a lifelong learner i'm an educator at heart uh, but yeah you can okay. find me on uh instagram twitter um and linkedin all under timothy epison ford and then bryson b-r-y-s-o-n again look forward to having continued conversation around this topic as we continue to uh, not just shed light and speak truth what's going on but also shape the future of nil um, in this new era thank you so much for being here and you have a good night tim i'll be safe all right. thanks all right appreciate it well thank you to tim for coming through and and dropping some knowledge on us on nil and the transfer portal really appreciated that convo um really learned a lot and we'll be diving more into that you know at a later date um as we learn more about the changes coming for nil and how it impacts college athletes yeah tim was solid like what i loved about it he gave us the here are the rules like so many people are confused about what nil is mm -hmm. and speaking about it in layman's terms i believe helps and we need more of these yeah it's more we are still in the education phase of nil uh and we use a lot of blanket statements as a community, as a um, as a sports community, and and that was perfect, perfect. So we'll definitely do some more of that. Got to have him back on. Thank you for joining us this week, and um, hoops and huddle. We'll see you next time. No doubt. Until next week.